Miller. Welcome to Tiger Turf Talk. We're excited to be partnering with the Toro Company to kick off an all-new summer series focused on their upcoming Grounds Leadership Academy happening in June. Over the next 10 weeks, we will be releasing podcasts following Drew's road trip to Minneapolis and back, where he will be meeting with grounds professionals across the country. Please join us as we talk about their careers, the properties they manage, and their favorite Toro equipment. This episode of Tiger Turf Talk is brought to you by The Toro Company. For over 100 years, The Toro Company has been a leader in innovative solutions for turf maintenance. Through a strong network of professional distributors, Toro proudly offers a wide range of commercial-grade equipment. Visit Toro.com to explore their full lineup of products. All right. Welcome to the next episode of the Toro Grounds Leadership Podcast. Toro, we're here again in St. Louis uh, Missouri here at GR Robinson Seed Company with the incredible Ben Kramer, one of my first mentors in this industry. So it's an incredible opportunity to really highlight a mentor and a leader in the industry. Ben, how you doing, bud? It's been a great seeing you. Obviously, it's been a long time. You surprised me in Salt Lake. That was awesome. You remember that? I <laughs> yeah. was like, what the heck is going on? Ben's here. So what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm really excited to have you here. I'm glad you made the journey out to St. Louis to come and see me. Yeah, no, um, that was one of the big things. Is like I get to see Ben. I get to stop by and see him. Um, you know, a lot of things that go into a company like this. Uh, this is a family-owned business, and you obviously have been around it your whole life. Your dad's been running the show, and now you came back after some time in the industry and. With some of the greatest minds in our industry, you know, being able to take all of that. Uh, what has it been like to be able to come home? It was four years ago. Three years ago. Uh, this is only like the second, second season, year. if you will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So recently, how has it yeah. been coming back home and being able to be a part of the family business? It's been good. Uh, it's gone by fast. Um, I think uh, it's been a, an adjustment for sure as far as kind of I feel like I'm starting over a little bit as yeah. far as just kind of I'm just concerned about learning the basics uh, first Party. time having a true basics. sales job. So, uh, yeah, it's you've uh, been around it, you know, you already know it. Sure. It's still just kind of different being on the other side of the table. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate to have had that experience out in the industry to kind of uh, have my own interactions with salesmen and how to kind of navigate those relationships. So I think it definitely is those experiences make me better, hopefully at being now on this side of the situation. It definitely makes it easier knowing how a product reacts to a certain situation or a certain type of grass and being able to say, you know, when we were in Kansas city, we ran these, uh, different fertilizers and, this one really benefits in this situation. This is what you're looking for in that situation. So, yeah. So when it came to turf grass, you've been around it your whole life. What really made you want to pursue two degrees in turf grass management with the bachelor's and master's? Um, yeah. The, so the first one, I just, I knew I wanted to go to Mizzou growing up in St. Louis. Um, it's just like a, it's a great school. It's like a comfortable distance away from home. Yeah. Um, they had a good program. Uh, Dr. Brad Friesenberg was still there at the time and he was a great guy to kind of 
uh, learn a lot about those initial basics of turf grass from. Um, and then I also started to work for the athletic department. They kind of had a program where, you know, they employed students. Um, and that's where I worked uh, for Josh McPherson. So he was great about giving me exposure and opportunity on kind of that field side, um, mowing, fertilizing, you know, just very the basic simple things about taking care of athletic fields. Um, that's where that all started, and I really liked it. Um, so then, yeah, kind of four years went by, and I had my degree, and I started looking around about what I could potentially do after college. And uh, one of the options that was brought to my attention was Virginia Tech's master's program where uh it's kind of run through the athletic department there as well and you you work while you go to school for the virginia tech athletic department Mm -hmm. which uh was awesome i knew they had you know a natural grass football field that's something mizzou didn't have that i wanted to be around um and there too i also knew i was in a great situation as far as who the people i'd be working with with uh <laughs> Old dr Amy. goatley and dr irvin and, oh those uh, guys for sure <laughs> yeah that, on the on the athletics or on the academic side you had for those sure. guys but yeah the three-headed monster ask you goatley and mccall yep but then uh yeah emerson and casey and the rest of the guys on the the athletic department side of things are also great people so again yeah i just I always found myself gravitating more towards the the labor, the field, the turf grass management side of the coin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at that point, I I did go out and get a job working full time as a turf grass manager, and I didn't I didn't have the itch for the PhD. <laughs> that was, that was uh, I remember me. that. I remember uh, you were teaching us. I think it was my first uh, turf entry level turf level class. Are you gonna go for your PhD? You're like, mm, nah, I think I'm good. You know, a master's is enough <laughs> for me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I w- <laughs> here I am finishing my EDD. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think I'd ever be a doctor. So I agree with yeah. you on that. I do think like uh, something in hindsight, I probably should have. I kind of went into the situation kind of like, I don't care, I'll do any research project, whatever you guys want. Like mm-hmm. I, That was just kind of my misunderstanding of that level of academia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I kind of, I didn't bring much to the table as far as like, hey, I'm interested in this topic, or hey, I'd like to research this. In hindsight, I probably should have done that, and mm-hmm. then had that research been more geared towards something I like, I don't know, I could have been more taking control of the academic side and that yeah. maybe could have led to a, a PhD thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hindsight's 2020. And now I look around and see people doing stuff with like field testing, like, Oh, that would have been really cool. Or Dr. Straw. Yeah. There's you ever heard of him. No, he's done at Texas A&M. He does a lot of the, actually, so I talked, he was on our panel too up in Minnesota. He does a, a lot of work with, uh, Player interaction with the playing surface, so he runs tests on the fact that, again, a player does a certain thing in this area of the field, in this region, use it to assess what's going on, how to properly manage that, and, you know, Travis got into talking with him about the, the, the Toro uh, Clegg, when you drive oh, and like get all the information, like, yeah. Hey, this is where we need to aerate. You know, we can go a little more aggressive here. This stuff looks great. You know, it's better to not test right now. Or you know, so he got into talking about stuff like that. So it's field testing is a definitely a, a big part of what is coming. 
sort of already here. Um, I think the the big thing is is like MLS put out theirs this year, and MLB started the minor league ones, and it's a lot of crazy testing things. Um, Virginia Tech, obviously, that's where we cross paths in our in our sort of journey in this industry. Uh, I remember the first time I met you. I said, uh, I, we were walk, going around class, I think, introduction. I said, I work for the athletic grounds crew. And your face was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, maybe this guy doesn't like me or something. <laughs> we walk out. You're like, you're John's brother. I'm like, yeah, I'm John's yeah. brother. He's like, uh, okay, I see now. I see. But, uh, you know, it was it was really interesting to see sort of you from both sides, you know, obviously teaching us in Dr. Irvin's courses and then on the grounds crew, you know, where again, I was raw and you knew that well, pardon my French, but, uh, <laughs> what was it like? Everybody you know, starts somewhere, you know? Hey, Oh, I start, you remember the terraces? I was there as well. You remember that first the baseball field? Oh, you remember first day I, they handed me the weed eater. And I scalped the living crap out of those things. <laughs> Emerson's like, well, we're not gonna have to do that the rest of summer. <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> um, what was it like for you, you know, to be able to like sort of be a part of you know students' education? Because that's a big part about like when you're at college, you're doing all these things, and you know, out of all of the TAs that were in all of our classes, whether it was soils or other things, like, you were the most helpful and the one that cared the most about the turf students. You know, what was that like for you being? A yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that opportunity because it is something um, having that information and just the basic understanding of turf grass growth and development and um, how you know the the levers that turf grass managers can pull, so to speak, like your nutrition program, your watering, your mowing. Um, you learn a lot about that in the field, obviously through experience, but I think having at least a rough understanding of, you know, the, the textbook classroom side of that situation when you, the most efficient way for somebody to learn is to be getting both simultaneously, I think. So, um, I was, yeah. And it also, to be quite honest, it was, it was reinforcing to me personally, like you, you know, this now, like you, to teach something, you really have to own the subject matter. So, I was far from an expert at that time, but I think that was a very valuable piece of my master's degree education as far as, you know, where I was when I was done with that degree, um, teaching turf 1000 to incoming freshmen and having to kind of be enforced to keep it simple, keep it clean, super simple for people like me. make it digestible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you got certain people in the class that you really got to tailor it to. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, it was a great experience and yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had that exposure to that classroom. <laughs> uh, our class was rough. We weren't bad kids. It was just, you know, I think only a few of us like remember Lee Coppock, the redhead. Yeah, no, I do. He was, he was, so he's in Richmond now as a super. He was one that like, you know, he, he came from golf and worked on golf courses. So like, oh, okay. he's just walking around knowing all this stuff. And me, I think it was you, we were sitting there like, what? <laughs> I was like, what, what did you say? Yeah. 
But uh, no, I mean those those were the fun times, you know. And we obviously had a lot of great times at uh, Virginia Tech, you know. Oh yeah. With the grounds crew, it, it was like you know control, not really even controlled chaos, but you know just chaos. It was always fun. Dropping that rope at halftime was always <laughs> a production. <laughs> you and me, you and me are. Uh, it's just like. Uh, what was like? What was the time frame we always tried to beat? So for those that don't know, at halftime, the, our grounds crew was in charge of dropping like alcohol rope, like like for the parking lots. Like you're not supposed to go past this point with your your beverages towards the game. So me and Ben had the longest and furthest one from the stadium, which made it uh, fun. Yeah, you're basically zipping around like. They're, the campus is packed with cars, but there's yeah. no people because everybody's in, in the, the stadium. stadium. Yeah, so you're flying around campus and workmen. we got pretty good. Yeah, it was a by the end of the season, it was a pretty well oiled machine. You got a crew out in front just taking it off the hooks, yeah, dropping on the ground. And then the guys coming behind with the winder. I just I was waiting <laughs> for that winder to just pull the living crap. Yeah, it was pretty, out of a car kind of or something. Sketchy. Like, yeah, I just expected it to like you know. Ten thousand dollars worth of damages, and it wouldn't stop and just keep going. Uh, Has the was, situation changed to your knowledge? There's no more Perry Street. There's it's literally gone. Wow. So Virginia Tech, like their big goal is to like have like the duck pond be the center of campus. Now they haven't made it out okay. towards the golf course yet, but uh, the parking lot there is gone. To the left, there are two new uh, buildings they're finishing up this year. Because I went back for you know the awards thing I didn't deserve yeah. with Goatly, so they've like renovated the whole thing. <laughs> Stop it! Um, renovated the come back rolling out the red carpet. Huh? Me. Yeah, it was it was weird. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um, the uh, were you there when they finished that like the basic building with like the lab spaces and whatnot? It was like. The undergrad building, it was like at the bottom of that uh, hill on West Campus Drive. Yeah, and so not okay. on the primary campus itself. It's, yeah, kind of, it's yeah. right, yeah, right yeah, next to it. So, saying. like, everything up that hill is now built. Wow. So, like, Perry Street is gone. There's another, there's a parking garage and two parking garages and then three buildings that are in the shape of, like, an L where the parking lot was. Wow. Do you remember the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, over by the, the roundabout? On uh, Price's Fork in North Main, mm-hmm. that building's gone. It is a massive, like, seven-story building that they built. That there's like a underground parking lot, and there's like a mezzanine that comes out over top of the uh, roundabout. It's gorgeous. It's ridiculous. Um, turf has moved out of Smythe. It's in Price's now, which is the one right on the drill field the furthest one towards the uh, duck pond uh athletic campus oh they renovated i forgot you weren't there <laughs> they renovated english big ass stadium now yeah the the pre- little press box that we had there's mm-hmm. now an overhang and everything okay. on the back part it's not as big as other college stadiums that you've seen but it's really nice um Rector, oh, those times taking the down the track. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Do you remember when uh, Pete uh, <laughs> Pete 
So for those that don't know, Pete Poole's like a former wrestler, awesome guy. He's incredible uh, worker and everything. So he uh, was working. We were all working, and everyone was giving me hell. And I was like, <laughs> no, that never happened. No, <laughs> never. Right. No, but Casey and Eric were really bad. Like it was Casey and Eric's day for some reason. And, uh, it was just funny. Cause like Pete finally defended me to Casey and Eric and then Casey and Eric started giving him crap. And it was like, he then decided to turn on me. He's like, I defended you. And then he, just, he literally grabs me and throws me onto like the, the, the high jump pit. And I'm like, what did I do? He's like, <laughs> I defended you, and now they're making fun of me. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> it's like I don't know what you want me to say here, yep. but uh, you know, those are those are fun times. I hated that track. Yeah, that was brutal. Like it was pretty clear coming into the situation, being total outsider. It didn't take me long to figure out that like the indoor track assembly disassembly was like the crappiest thing we do and it's just kind of like something everybody just like sucks it up do. and so that's permanent now see you again next year don't pick yeah. up and put it down i think that was maybe like the first year i left when i was leaving they're like no oh, so yeah, it was the year i left it, it was the oh, year okay. i left so it was like three years after you or okay. two years after you so you didn't miss it by that much so that's it's still the same track is assembled and then so it's right uh, they bought a brand new one when they assembled it you know so um because it's permanent they don't take it apart at all so that's now a full-time indoor track facility. The hill, you know, the big hill drop-off that someone rolled the mower down. Mm-hmm. That might have been past your time. Um, <laughs> but uh, the it's no longer there. Like, they, they blew it out, and now there's, like, a short drop-off cliff thing that they have to weed eat. But there's, like, a throw pit built out onto the hill where it was. So, like, you know the road you go up to go to English? Mm-hmm. You have to, it's, like, a lot lower. Now when you go around, um, softball got an indoor, so there's a full infield yeah. inside, and then a couple batting cages in a locker room. Uh, they also built locker rooms for soccer and all that on that other side. Um, so there's a thin walkway now. You know, there was like a full road between softball and then the side erector to the back of English. Yeah. That's a wild sidewalk now. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, we would like plow that. With yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, with the, the Kubota. Yeah. The old Kubota. Ronnie Turp, you know, his uh, style, you know. Yeah, uh, that was always fun too. Those nights. You remember the one night? I forget. I know about two feet when I was there one time. Yeah. So I was talking to Travis, and it might be on his podcast. And I remember the time when we had the uh, fraternity come out to dig the softball softball. field out, and you and I were running the carts, and you and me were doing donuts into into (laughs) where Ronnie was loading up the (laughs) snow off the side because it was spring break. I want to go home. And he's like, You're coming in because the ice kept me in. I was like, I'm not here. Yeah. And he's like, If I come to your house, you're not going to be happy. I was like, oh. <laughs> freaking Casey. Um, but no, those that, I mean, something I'm interested to hear from you is like, obviously the people in this industry are great. You know, there's just, there's no one like it and it's just consistent across the board. What has it been like for you and your career and the people that you've worked with? You know, Josh is here. You've worked with Josh, uh, with the soccer club, uh, Obviously, people at Mizzou, Virginia Tech, Kansas City, all these different places. Mm-hmm. What has it been like for you sort of building those relationships and how has it played a role in you know, your work today here at GR Robinson? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, I've been very fortunate to have always worked with and for 
pretty great people. I've never, I've never had to like leave a situation because there was like a feud or just like workplace friction that was just like, ah, I gotta get out of here because of so-and-so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, so after Virginia tech, I went to work for the Royals working for Trevor Vance and Shane Montgomery and, uh, Jane and Evan Fowler were the two assistants. Um, and so that was similar, like kind of, you know, you show up your first day and they're kind of just like, all right, like what's this kid got? Like, what do we, <laughs> what do we have here? Uh, um, they got the best. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yes. Stop it. You but, and Travis uh, both stop it. <laughs> They, uh, to their credit, you know, they gave me as much, as much rope as I could handle, so to speak. And that was, that was kind of the expression there was like, we're going to give you some rope. You're either going to be a cowboy or you're going to hang yourself with Uh, one of the two. (laughs) So, uh, that's a great saying other than, you know, the death part. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe avoid that. We could probably work on an altered (laughs) version. That would be a little more. We'll workshop it. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, I've, every like so everywhere I've been fortunate enough to have people who have had that kind of attitude of like mm-hmm. we're going to give you opportunity and you know the the better you do the more opportunity you're going to get. Uh so that's great. I mean the every the Royals have always Trevor has such a long list of the people who have worked for him and mm-hmm. gone on to work other places. So I think that just says a lot about his attitude towards how he treats his employees, the environment of the K and mm-hmm. it's, it really is like, it's an awesome stadium. The field's always in great shape, but it, there is a lot of kind of learning and uh, experience being gained there by people at all stages of their career. So that was just lucky, you know, and from there uh, the, the cards fell into place that I could go over and work for the, the other side of the parking lot and work for the chiefs when, uh, Nice little setup. Yeah, it's a really cool, very cool complex they have there. And uh, it works great for the ground screws, too, because we can kind of, you know, obviously we're very friendly both sides of the parking lot. We share equipment, share ideas. Mm-hmm. We're in the same weather pattern. So it's, you know, it's great to have basically a second set of eyes and ears of people doing similar things at a similar mm-hmm. level uh, to kind of have that that network of allies, if you will. Um, yeah. And then that, obviously making that connection with Evan and Kansas city led to, uh, is it Denver? Yeah. Uh, what was the company? I'm sorry. Sorry. Evan. Green Valley. <laughs> Todd. Gotcha. Turf. Gotcha. Yeah. Does he own it? No. Okay. No, it's owned by, uh, Joe Wilkins is the owner. It's been, he's a second generation, uh, owner there. Um, yeah, so Evan and I both went out there. He went out maybe like a half year earlier than yeah, that. yeah. Um, to kind of to grow bluegrass on plastic and to uh, help run the rest of that. They don't only grow bluegrass on plastic at Green Valley. They grow hundreds of acres of bluegrass and tall fescue and uh, traditional sod production, like native soil, as gotcha. well as uh, they grow a lot of bent grass too. So it's a really cool sod a farm. Big because, operation. Yeah, it's a it's a huge operation. Awesome. And that was kind of another one where I feel like, I don't know, my whole career, I'm just kind of like climbing this ladder at wherever I'm at, and then I feel the urge to like disrupt that and start over. <laughs> it's a um, weird urge, but good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it keeps you 
it keeps it fresh and it keeps, it forces you to kind of get out of your comfort zone and learn something new. And, uh, I'm really glad I had that experience too. Cause that was kind of the first time I got exposure to growing grass at scale. Mm-hmm. I had always worked, you know, a, a college campus has a lot of fields and common areas and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of like, I'll call it scale at a college mm-hmm. relative to like, I work for the Royals and we have the K and that, 2.2 acres yeah, is like yeah. all we worry about. Um, the sod farm taught me to appreciate water quality scale. Um, the fact that the whole place isn't going to look immaculate every day, all day, yeah, corner yeah. to corner. You For can't, sure. it's just impossible. So <clears throat> the challenge of kind of like rotating priorities and setting your schedule and, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a great, it was grass growing boot camp all over again, like <laughs> especially then throwing the bluegrass on plastic and kind of learning a new climate. Was this an elevation and everything? Yeah, it was. The climate was good for growing bluegrass for sure. It gets so cool at night and the lack of humidity, um, you get pretty quick recovery and a lot of active growing bluegrass mm-hmm. uh, throughout a 12 month year out there. So that absolutely helps. But at the same time, it was kind of. Uh, unexpectedly harsh and that, you know, that sunlight is so intense. Um, temperatures can get, you know, triple digits, not uncommon yeah. during the summer. It'll get to be 58 degrees that night, yeah. but you still can hit 101, 102 during the day. And the wind, it's so windy Crazy. coming off there. So like I, there'd be times where I, you, you just really have to be on the ball with the water because all those things I just mentioned are essentially affecting how am I going to water this bluegrass parts and yeah. And it's only, you know, grown in a half inch of sand on top of a layer of plastic. So there's no, you gotta stay on top of it. Yeah. And then you mean, there's a lot of, it would be, it was not uncommon to be like, it's too windy to water. I could, cause if I would run the water, the wind would just take it and put it in (laughs) a specific spot and then just wet spots and then dry. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it you that you that could last for a while with the plastic element thrown in there. It mm-hmm. kind of makes those uh, uneven water applications like you're kind of chasing that for days. So uh, it was it was great. Um, the hardest grass growing I've done. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was definitely a challenge, but one I enjoyed. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was very time consuming. I, I have and, more gray hair than I already have, which I already have too much of. So you know, yeah, maybe that explains some of these up here too. <laughs> I guess you got to have hair to have it be gray uh, too. Stop so. it! Stop. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just cutting bait and going straight from brown oh, to nada. Don't do that yeah. to me, man. I feel bad. Yeah, there's so much that goes into growing grass, and I mean, where you've been, there's been some of those opportunities to see those different things. Um, how do you think that really has played a role in like what you're trying to sell here? Whether that's like products that you use in the past, you really want to be a distributor of how has it been sort of creating those relationships with those companies that you've worked, not even worked with, but like you've used their products for your benefit. What has it been like getting those companies to onboard with uh GNR? Yeah, no, say? it's uh there's no doubt that I've taken a lot of my experience of growing grass and familiarity with certain products um, and been able to kind of bring 
new pieces to the puzzle of what we have going on here at mm-hmm. GR Robinson Seed. Um, we've traditionally kind of sold to the landscape market, landscape municipalities, mm-hmm. uh, local athletic fields, stuff like that. But uh, And so our product lines pretty much reflect that. But um, we're now like the St. Louis Earthworks distributor um, or a Turfman distributor, kind of more specific products to kind of – uh, I think both of those products are great for any turf grass market because they're just good products, yeah, but yeah. also maybe tailored more towards uh, applicable to the golf market or higher end turf uh, for sure. stuff like fields. that. So it's been good to both uh, have experience with those products to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, this is what I've done. This is what I know to be a good option. This would be a good fit for this situation that you have going on. Um, it's definitely gratifying for sure to, to be able to apply old experience to bring on a new product to then bring that product to a new customer base that we weren't serving before. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has given me a short term sense of gratification and like, okay, this is, I'm doing okay. This is, uh, <laughs> this is going well. We're, we're, yeah, we're and, doing what needs to be done. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I'm a relatively, you know, I know I'm early in my career curve for this phase of the career. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to just kind of keep things, keep it simple, not try to get too grand too fast or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. these, this, it's going well in that sense. I feel pretty content with like so how you, things are you going. said this phase. I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm going to poke the bear. Sorry. Mr. Kramer, I'm not trying to steal your son away or anything. <laughs> Is there somewhere you're looking to go or anything that intrigues you or no? You honest, wanna... Honestly, I mean, never say never for no, sure. No. I've learned that absolutely. Uh, but I'm really enjoying the opportunity to work with my dad. It's been so far so good as far as how that's impacted our relationship. It's definitely. I've always been involved with the business, like from grade school, you know, <laughs> so I always had like kind of an idea of like what my dad was doing yeah, and yeah, like yeah. why he was doing something at a certain time of year, a certain time of day. Um, but now like having also being able to walk legitimately in those shoes, um, it makes me have a great appreciation for all that he's accomplished in his career and built the company into what it is today. I mean, um, we're we're small. We only, it's only my dad, myself, yeah. uh, Steve Laddie's someone who's been working with my dad for twenty years, and Kevin Combe more recently coming on the last few years. But it's just the four of us, <clears throat> so I feel pretty proud that we can carve out the the niche in the market that we have and kind of stand toe to toe with you know Thrive. corporate yeah. companies that have you know massive marketing departments and purchasing power that dwarfs what we do, but we can still kind of make a living, provide a good service to the customer base and uh, keep our toehold here in what we have going on in St. Louis. So to be honest, I, I would, there are absolutely days where I miss growing grass for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, in my head, maybe now I just tell myself, oh, I, hopefully I can like retire and like work at a golf course or something, you know, uh, <laughs> my retirement plan. I told my students, I was like, you become a groundskeeper somewhere. You're hiring my ass just to mow. <laughs> yeah. Only mowing for six figures. That's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> Good it's work like, if you can get it. Yes. 
<laughs> I was gonna say nothing else. I'll sit there and watch, but I'm mowing grass. That's all I got. Yep. So, oh, that'd no, be sweet. Sorry. <laughs> um, when it comes to grounds maintenance, Toro's Groundsmaster mowers are the preferred choice for professionals who require nothing but the best. Visit Toro's website today to learn more about their Groundsmaster mowers and their entire lineup of commercial equipment. Toro, count on it. One of the things that I mean, I love um, about. Again, our friendship over the years and whatnot, like uh, seeing you become a dad, seeing you all these steps of the way and, you know, you always checking in on me. Like that's something that, again, as a mentor, I am so grateful for and running into you. And so like you saw how happy I was and everything yeah. it was like, what was it like midnight or something at that point when you came run down after me at the probably yeah, was- <laughs> welcome party? I was like, what? <laughs> wide awake because I was definitely asleep at that time. <laughs> um, what has it been like for you, you know, to, you know, understand what being a mentor is and having that role with, you know, so many in this industry, um, whether that was people in Kansas City, whether it was people at Tech, uh, Mizzou even, um, something that, again, you had to learn along the way, but again, you executed so well with someone like me who, for those that don't know, I'm like not the greatest turf grass manager in the world. Definitely was terrible at the phase when you know, I was with Ben. So what has it been like for you being a mentor in this industry and seeing people that you impacted along the way? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's really gratifying to see you or, you know, you've, you're incredible. Obviously, this wasn't this about me. <laughs> but You've mastered the art of humility. Oh, you always so. are like, oh, no, I'm just, and I'm like, Drew, you're killing it. <laughs> like you're, you've Thank accomplished you. so much in like fractions of seconds and like the grand scheme fractions of, like of seconds. what it takes. Yeah. Like most, it takes years to like build up something and what you've done in such a short amount of time from graduating college is nothing short of impressive, but you're right. This isn't about you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Keep me I, humble. I love that. <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, see, you've already mastered the art of humility, I'm telling you. Um, I I think for me, it's more just the idea of like, I just want to kind of pay it forward. Like I said earlier, you know, I've always been treated phenomenally by the people I was reporting to or learning from. So um, I think it's just, I've always enjoyed turning around and then helping somebody else up the ladder, you know? Um I've never, I've always thought it odd when people, and I don't think it really happens in our industry, but in other industries, you know, there's this idea of like, he's coming from my spot or I don't want to, this is proprietary information. I want to keep in my head. I think I'm sharing it with you. You're not getting my glory. Yes. I I don't know. I've never really, I've been fortunate to have avoided having to work for people like that. So I think I've avoided picking up on that habit and Mm -hmm. I've always been very secure and myself and my abilities that I've never been like, Oh, I don't want to teach Drew how to do something better or <laughs> explain it. Cause then maybe he could do it better than me. Like, I, I, I think that's didn't, pretty, there'd lame. be a lot more broken things. Yeah. Crowns <laughs> for attack. So, oh, I don't sorry. Know. It's just the more people you can help the better. No. And I, I love that, you know, because a lot of people, you know, we talk about how like we're an open industry. We're here to help people. We're not in competition, but the fact that you, you know, you point out that like, I'm not trying to hold on to this, you know, and it's talking to certain people in the industry, you know, like they're very careful with what they're putting out there. They want to make sure everything is, you know, positive. They don't want people seeing sort of the, the hard side of our industry, whether that's the hours, you know, pay, whatever it is. Yeah. But 
they're open when people want to have an honest conversation, which is just, I think it's a game changer for you know, the outlook of what we can accomplish as a whole. And I think the biggest thing that we really struggled to do is making people more aware of that. You know, that's why, again, I do this podcast. I think I've said this 17 times. <laughs> and I feel terrible because I'm being redundant, but I haven't heard it yet. So, so exactly what I'm saying it, but like <laughs> the, <laughs> the reason that, I think, you know, we sometimes struggle in those areas is because we're not we're not open with others in the sense of like, hey, look at what we did. You know, like it's just you did it and people see it. You know, it's hard to get a, a, the owner of say, you know, uh I don't know, we'll use the Washington Nationals to see what John Turnour does on that field every day. And sees it any other way than the high expectation that John has, you know, like, mm-hmm. why does that look like that right now? You know, it's not normal. <laughs> like if something like say they had a, I think it was Bad Bunny last year. They had a concert like back to back. Like, what are you like getting mad at him about, you know, having spots from the, the, the feet of the stage, you know, like uh-huh. there's no reason to because you gave him less than 24 hours before a game and it looks pretty phenomenal for the fact yeah. that they're playing on it right now, you know. So bringing people awareness of all of those things, you know, because you know more than anyone, you know, whether it was the K or at uh, Arrowhead, like concerts and everything are just a struggle of the industry now, which I think – a lot of what you do here is going to help, you know, whether it's the products to make it uh, pre, uh, not an immersion, but a, just a precautionary thing before, you know, like how you put fungicides out before you put the flooring down and all that. Yeah. I think that the work here is going to change for them with that, you know, because there are so many people that run graduations on their high school field and they're like, oh, it's fine. And they mm-hmm. let it sit there for 15 days and it's like, why is it dead? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm babbling, so I'm going to stop. Um, You're good. <laughs> something that uh, this this sort of tour is about is obviously the Grounds Academy at Toro. Um, we really focused in on leadership and the role it plays in the workplace. You know, um, what has it been like? You know, having those leaders in your career that have you know pushed you to you know be the leader that you are today when it comes to running this company the best way you can and working with the three other individuals, you know, to be a successful company going up against this corporation, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think leadership uh, can definitely be learned like through osmosis. Like I said, I, my dad, I love that. <laughs> my dad, uh, I was all like grade school, like earliest memories. It was like, I hated it at the time. It was like, get in the truck. We're going over <laughs> to do this. And it's a new definition. A lot of, of it was, get in the truck right now. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, we're, we're going to go do this. He'd yeah. always say, we're just going to knock it out. And I'd always, I'd, it got to the point where I was like, knock it out. That means a couple hours. of like four labor. hours later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> knock it out. When he said knock it out, it just, it became knock, like a running knock joke. you like, out. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was like, I think, through his leadership, I got, it was a lot of like how you're going to interact with people, like look them in the eye, shake their hand, you know, just very basic human interaction points. And then work ethic too, as far as like, Hey, like this is what we're going to do. Like, this is the sense of urgency we're going to have when we do it because, but, but this is the attention to detail we're going to have when we do it. So that was something, um, that was kind of instilled in me like early, like 
single digit years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on up. So that was kind of, I think that, that in hindsight, that was him being a leader through yeah. example. Cause For it sure. wasn't just, Hey, go do this. He was there next to me and I watched him walk up and shake that person's hand and have a little back and forth with them. And then I watched him do when I was eight, I couldn't really push the aerator. So I yeah. watched him do it. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, so then when I did it, you know, at you 12, it. it was like, well, I'm going to push it. The same. You know, it, there was, I got you dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, that was great. Uh, as far as just kind of very formative, fundamental basics about how to be, uh, a decent, just interact with other people. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, every every step of the way from then, again, yeah, it's been, I think there's different forms of leadership too. Some people lead by example. Some people lead by you know, how they communicate. Uh, and there's different different ways to do it, but they all have like a similar deal as far as ultimately a, a leader is someone who I think you have to be compassionate as far as being able to put yourself in another individual's shoes, whether it's your employee, your customer, your coworker, um, you got to be able to understand their perspective to really be able to handle that relationship well. And for sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm answering. Your no, question. you are. No, for sure. Cause I mean, Casey was that for me, you know, and I know you saw that, you know, the guy just didn't stop working. Yeah. He, he was, he was, a, the he one was in, a workhorse animal. Like yeah. he, nobody there was, he was the highest guy on the list him. and he was working hard. Yeah. He was never going to let anybody No, If somebody tried, I think he would just turn it up. Yeah. Some more. It was like, we're not competing with you, Casey. We're just trying to keep up. Jeez. Like slow down for two seconds for crying out loud. Yeah. No, but like, I think, I think that just plays such a big role, you know, into, you know, we talk about the next generation and everything. Like if you, if you're working, like they're going to want to work for you. They're going to want to be able to live up to the standard that you're setting. Mm -hmm. Now in your career, you've had so many, you know, mentors that have sort of played that role. What are some of those mentors for you that have had the biggest impact on you and your career as a whole, when it comes to being in the turf grass industry? Um, yeah, I, I, you can go through a list. You can give me a couple. And so, <laughs> give me one, you know? Um, yeah, let's see. Like, I know, like I said, Josh at Mizzou was kind of, that was my first, like, I'm not working with my dad. I'm mm -hmm. out in the field on, like, an athletic field that's, like, legit D1. There's expectations and standards here. Um, so that was just, he gave me the opportunity and let me run with it. Um then yeah, Virginia Tech, like you said, those guys are uh same way. It was just here's the here's the yeah, here's the keys. Go take care of that. And you know, if you do well, we'll give you more. Um mentioned at the K how great of an opportunity that was in terms of like nothing's off limits. If you can do it, we're gonna give you a chance to do it. Um and then Travis and the Chiefs, I haven't really talked about him and that situation in detail yet. Um, that was probably the first job that I was like, okay, I am like a senior staff member here. You're the legit guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, at that point it was like, I was kind of uh, earmarked to be kind of responsible for the St. Joe training camp fields. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really the first time I kind of had like an area that was under my kind of direct <clears throat> Jurisdiction, yeah, if yeah. you will. And it was off site. So 
part of my job was like I had to do the hour and a half drive up to St. Joe north of Kansas City. So Travis put a huge amount of trust in me because I was basically his eyes and ears up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was an awesome, it was basically like training wheels for me. Like I was there on an island doing it. I also had one year to kind of learn from Terry Lee too. So that was a huge, it wasn't like I was totally just hired and then sent up to St. Joe. I did have one year to kind of, again, like have a sense of training wheels. Get your feet wet. Terry was very experienced up there. Um, taught me a lot about just, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed working with Terry. A lot of, a lot of fun, yeah, yeah. a lot of laughing going on there. Yeah, always. Um, but then that first year up there alone was, it was great because Travis, he instilled, he, he had confidence in me and kind mm-hmm. of whenever I would be unsure, he was kind of like, no, like, you know this, you know, you just tell me what you think or do what you think. It'll be okay. Um, so that was a great, that kind of helped me get to the other side of that hurdle as far as like, okay, I can take care of a field on my own without needing, Hey, Travis, like, what should I do? Or, Hey, what do you think about this? I was forced, forced to make those decisions and then observe the positive outcomes. And that really kind of was the final straw as far as like, okay, I just internal self-confidence that was only possible because of his ability Mm -hmm. to, step back, give me the opportunity, be there when I needed him, but also yeah. give me the space to kind of squirm and be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, so one year later, it's like, he's looking at me like, Say it. you're good, man. Like, <laughs> let me know. If I need to know something, let me know. And that, that in and of itself was like, we were on the same page. I knew yeah. what he meant when he said that. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need to call you to be like, hey, should I run the water for 10 minutes or 20 minutes? It's like, somebody drove a truck and did donuts on the 50 yard line. Those were the types of things he needed. Cause that actually happened. Shut up. It happened like a week before the first day of camp. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was like a, it was on, it's on Missouri. Mo West is what we called it. It's a college and they have like a four acre field that the chiefs have their training camp on. And yeah, so it's a, it's a push to get it ready. Cause it's pretty far North. It's North bridge, Bermuda. We'd always have like, winter kill slash spring dead spot and like really random patterns. So it was like sprig it, grow in the sprigs, training camp starts, you know, late July. So it was kind of like a six week window to grow in sprigs Mm -hmm. is it was tight, but it always worked out. And then you, we finally get the field painted like a week before the players show up Mm -hmm. just to have like a base coat down and, you know, basically read a dress rehearsal. Make sure know. it doesn't look like a bear field yeah. when people start strolling in like the GM or whatnot. You're like, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Where are the like, fields? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, so I, 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 we, we talked cause I was at training camp same time you were, and mm-hmm. we were just, I remember you sending me pictures of your field and me sending of your mine. And it was just like, you don't realize how many people are actually there, you know, like mm-hmm. at camp. Like you would think that it's just the coaches, the players, they're doing whatever. Like our owner was there. I was like, okay. Yeah. What we always you, had like the governor you, show up here, and the like, owner fly in. Exactly. The it's like, and, yeah. Maybe we should make it presentable. <laughs> right. It was always like, I don't, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Like <laughs> this is like what, five weeks out or something from the season. Like usually like the last week you would think uh-huh. they were coming and, 
deals are beat to hell. So, you know, it's not like we're trying to make it look amazing or anything. <laughs> we're just trying to make sure that there's grass to play on. Right. Yeah, oh. just get through it because it is a... I mean, it's funny because, like, I mean, talking to the guys over there, I was like, you had two fields, three fields? Two. It was a four-acre square. So, you had so two, two fields. Two fields with, like, a decent amount of, like, sideline area where they could yeah. put, like... The, the, the O line would hit like a sled. Yeah, it wasn't like all in the field of play, fortunately. But yeah. so ours, ours was we had three fields back to back to back, and we had just laid Heinz Field. So the grass that was in Heinz, we moved out to the third field because it was just Poa Central. Oh, you transferred Heinz Field. Yeah, so we saw, it was like a sod farm, technically. Yeah, yeah. that was Chris. It's a Chris Acton special. Shout out, Chris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a brand new field. It looks amazing. It got touched maybe once the entire summer for two days because the Lions were in town, and that's the field they gave them. And it was like, why wouldn't you use it at all? And it's because, you know, the fans are all near field one. So field one would get used every day. Uh The kickers would use field two and then, like, the receivers, and that was it. Like, Ben Roethlisberger and the backups (laughs) never left field one, so everyone was on field one. And I was like, what are we doing? And then there was one day, and the the he was the strength and conditioning coach. For some reason, again, I don't know why. He was a great guy. Uh, Guy, I forget. I think his last name. We didn't really know. I don't didn't have a great relationship. I didn't have an issue with him, but like I didn't get to like know him well. Um, He made the shots on like where practice was. You know, like Tomlin would obviously be running everything, but he never decided where practice was. This guy was the strength coach. This is the strength coach. Yeah. Yeah. In Kansas City, it's the equipment guy. Okay. So it was like we were sitting there like, we need to go somewhere else because like there's like local high schools that have a better artificial turf like surface that we can go (laughs) be on. You know, like it was it was native soil. You have native soil, right? Uh, up there. Based. Okay, so you had to, we didn't have same base. We were native soil, like you know, high school yeah. way back in the day. When you get a rain, you're like, maybe we shouldn't go on there. Well, so we're we were we obviously will go wherever he, wherever he wants to go. But we were like, hey, we really think we should go somewhere. You know, like they have it set up for us. It's already blocked off for all of training camp. Like we should go there. And uh, he's like, no, no, I think we're good. So that that, that day of practice, it's already rained an inch like the night before like at, no, at like 6 a.m like it's when it stopped practice is at 10 or 11 and we're just sitting here like like we couldn't get a mower on it we couldn't do anything to like you know help you know we got and we had a cover too so we rolled it off so they didn't have an indoor option either no not at saint vincent yeah saint vincent's a small catholic college in uh latrobe pennsylvania so <laughs> Did you have an indoor option? Yeah. Intelligent. Yeah. Very intelligent. <laughs> I said, I said well, you guys should invest in a bubble that just goes up when you guys come here, and then they can take it down and move it wherever you want it, you know? Um, but I was like, um, this is not going to go well. So Andy Lipinski, did you ever meet Andy? Mm-hmm. So I said, Andy, this isn't going to go well. And, of course, Andy's like, well, be ready. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, we're probably going to be running in out of here with, uh, you know, Diamond Dry and – conditioner so calcine so we (laughs) we we spent four hours running in and out me and him running in and out avoiding getting hit by the receivers like bucket 
bucket. Wow. You know, like <laughs> who's doing who's doing the more agility drills? I wonder. I think you guys were getting in more footwork. Yeah, really, really though. Else. No, but it was funny because <laughs> Gee was like right here, and I'm like, you should be doing this. You <laughs> like, why are we here right now? So like, it took a beating, um, and like again, there's. There's no time to do anything culturally other than Mo because we have practice for the next two weeks after this. So it's like we had maybe Sunday off one week and, you know, like all we really could do is fertility apps and whatnot. But it was like, oh, it was a crazy day. I think I almost got hit by, I forget who the big wide receiver was at the time. Villanueva almost hit me, and he was an offensive lineman. Yeah, I was like, I was like running behind them, and they were like, "Hut!" And he's like, "Pop, pop, pop!" I'm like, <laughs> running around with my bucket. I'm like, "Ah!" It's not the guy you want to step. Not on your no, foot. no, 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 no. That would definitely break my foot. I will, I will say that. You know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always fun to reminisce on these stories because there's just so many things yeah. going Training on. Training camps, why it's so like it's, different for different teams. Or you, I we, loved it. I did too. No, because, everybody was in a good mood. Yeah, everyone's um, excited for the year. Yeah, it was. It was we're, a, we're undefeated right now. We're undefeated. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and the thing was, is like everything was right there. You know, that was yeah. my that honestly was my favorite part because you live in the dorms too, right? Yep. So being in the dorm, you like you roll out of bed, get in a shower, roll, uh, get all your clothes on, roll down the hill to the mower, get the mower. <laughs> I did mm-hmm. my morning mows. I was on there for an hour yeah. or two hours, like. This is life, man. Like, for I can sure. do this forever. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah. Yeah, and then food was free. You're eating with the players. Like, it was just, yep. everything's right there, which is just what you want in this life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you're definitely in, like, a little, like, bubble. Yeah, of, like, exactly. Routine-driven, same thing every day. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's in the groove. It is cool. A little divot it goes walk. By, it goes by fast. Once it does. Camp starts, it does. It's like... Yeah, yeah, no, it was because I left the last week because I go, had to go back to school. Like last week was not August twenty. Yeah, first games like they start playing. Yeah, they leave. Yeah, for yeah. A week. There's exactly. four weeks we, of preseason. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I remember the last day. Like I, I apologize. Like I gotta go. I gotta get back <laughs> to school. Right. And I was like, you, if you need me anything, she like, he's like, yeah, I mean, if you could like do this. I was like, you know what? I could probably just paint everything, you know, like, yeah, you know, for you, like do a coat. Because there was a uh, preseason game um, that I think it was a Friday or something. I don't even remember what it was. But there were, and he goes, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I can do it. So I, no string. I was like, this is going to be great. Like, Are you pushing or riding? I'm pushing this son bitch. Oh, wow. <laughs> Part of my French again. But <laughs> I remember finishing that last field, and then I felt awful because I was like, I am not cleaning this. Nope. And I was like, Andy, you're coming back tonight. That thing is not cleaned out. Just a heads up. And I was like, sorry, I had to go because I was. I also had like a time frame. Like I had to leave by five, sure. so I started at seven. I had to mow and do all that stuff and get everything set before I started painting. And then three fields worth with numbers, hashes, wow. and uh, lines. You know, like I gotta go. That's a day. Man. I think I even missed some hashes. I don't remember. I just remember feeling <laughs> guilty when I left. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. Yeah, gosh. I felt guilty when I left. There was no stencils, obviously. So I, I also sure. I also kind of wanted to see if there's like any like post on Twitter. I was like, wow, that's really bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Steelers put something up. I was like, that line is awful. <laughs> yeah. But what was good was like they were all like lined up. So like you do three fields in a row, three fields in a back. You know, like it's not like a 
Let's just say I think I lost 20 pounds that day. I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah, that's, I can't imagine the number of steps you probably took. If you had a tracker on there, you'd be setting records. Probably. No, no, there was one day in Pittsburgh with the pirates that we put out like five fertilizers and we, (laughs) that was, that was a long day. Love you, Matt. Sorry. Didn't mean to see him in a couple of days. So I probably should know, (laughs) but like that was a long day. Right. Um, you know, obviously, we were sort of getting into the people that have been a big part of your sort of, you know, career and everything. Something that we really dug into is really like sort of the definition of leadership uh, at this event up in uh, Minnesota. What what do you think are the biggest sort of you know, attributes of a leader? Biggest, you know, what's sort of your definition of a leader? You obviously talked about leading by example, which is a huge part of it. But there are so many parts to a leader, whether that's someone who's like, you know, an introvert who can have an impact or someone who's like obviously in your face and like, you know, rah, rah, rah. And, you know, sometimes yeah. I get annoyed with leaders like that, but when you look at it face value, they really do have a big impact. What would be sort of your definition of a leader and, you know, what they bring to the table? Yeah. I think like you said, you can be quiet, you can be loud, you can be uh, high strung, you can be low key. I think there's like effective ways. It doesn't, your personality type doesn't determine if you are or aren't a good leader. I, I think I'll go back to just the like empathy, compassion deal. I think good leaders can understand the people they're leading, understand their perspective, and then not only understand it, but also like bake that understanding into your equation of the decisions you're making, um, essentially caring about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in turn, they know that they are cared about by you, and that makes them want to work, mm-hmm. whether it's provide a better output or work harder or stay late or, oh yeah, like this is a this is a crappy like weird thing that popped up, but like we just kind of need to like like the floor the track at Virginia Tech like yeah. when those types of events come around because they inevitably do, I think that's when good leaders get a good response from the people they work with. And that's when bad leaders, that's when, you know, like your crew's thoughts about you is when (laughs) an abnormal pop-up situation comes up, like what's everybody's reaction. They're going to push through or they're going to just, you know, uh, complain, make it a little bit nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there for them, whether it's defending people, uh, if need be to either higher ups or to an angry customer or, whatever. Um, I think good leaders, I think those working for good leaders understand that they're cared for, understand that they're appreciated, uh, understand that the leader has their back, whether Mm -hmm. it's in terms of like a personal situation that went down or an agronomic situation, either way, like I'm going to have your back. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think that's at that point, all the other details all in place like yeah the, the nitty-gritty grass growing stuff that can be figured out overcome adjusted change but like ultimately you want to foster like a, a team atmosphere where mm-hmm. everybody's to pull pulling the rope the same direction you know? yeah yeah it's a cliche but like it's true it it matters when that's happening and you know when it's happening and you know when it's happening. and uh yeah i've I, do, I hope to that G.R. Robinson is never an atmosphere where <laughs> there's conflict or just normal 
Dad and son fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get in the truck. We're gonna go aerate six of our neighbors' yards today, and you're gonna like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. No, and that's. I think that's something that again, showing that you're valued goes a long way. Yeah, it's no, just that's, that's a. It's just something point. that everyone sort of wants, you know. It's and it's it's funny because you can have a goal and everything when you're working and figuring out what you want to do with your life and what you're doing anywhere in any industry. But when someone shows you that you're valued, that just, you know, it allows there to be sort of a, a environment where passion can thrive, you know, because I think passion is the driving force behind anything, you know, like you go and getting your master's, you go and doing all these things, working on a professional field to be able to go, go grow grass in Denver to here, you know, there's something behind it and, something that you love about it. And obviously like someone saying that, Hey, you did a phenomenal job and I really appreciate all you do. And you have an asset, uh, Travis and, you know, sending you up to St. Joe's on your own, like things like that. That again, like it just pushes the envelope so much further than just, you know, being there and having them be a work. It's hard to do for some people, which hopefully everyone can figure out. But, um, now this is the Toro podcast tour, or I mean Grounds Leadership Podcast Tour. So obviously we want to talk a little bit about Toro and your experience uh throughout your time. Um Virginia Tech, we were all Toro, and that's yeah. that's why I'm a Toro guy through and through since I since the beginning. Um what has your experience been like with their products and sort of what are your thoughts on what they've created over the past years? And I know you've used some I saw some in Kansas City when I was there. Um what has your experience been with Toro and how has it impacted your career? Um, yeah, Toro was the first equipment I learned to do pretty much everything on. Like that was the first fairway mower I was on. That was the first sprayer I was on. That was the first, uh, walk behind reel mower that I used. Um, and I think that Toro products are just kind of, they're first and foremost, well built, simple. So when you're learning, that's what you want. You need it. You, you want to be simple. You want something that's going to like work consistently and you want it to be intuitive to operate. So that that absolutely helps. I mean, when you're the first time you're told to like mow a baseball infield and mm-hmm. you got zigzags and stuff like <laughs> you know, you'll work that out yeah, over yeah. time, but like the last thing you need is like uh if the tool you're trying to do that with is giving you fits, like you're fixated on how the machine's functioning, not yeah, yeah. how am I going to get better at this process? So For sure. I think, you know, it just kind of lets you just trust the equipment and then you can focus on the task at hand rather than, you know. <laughs> um, which, I mean, that plays such a big role. You know, simplicity is something that, I mean, I've seen when we were there, they brought us to their, their uh, testing site. A lot of the new stuff they're putting out, whether that's their carts or utility vehicles, just to say, um, you know, you know how like on an MDX you got to like go under and you're like, you know, to go forward or backwards. It's mm-hmm. not just a switch right next to the steering wheel. Like the the like that's just something that I don't think about how yeah. simple it could be, and those are the things they come up with. So I mean. Uh, I mean, they're outcross. Have you seen that thing? I've seen it. Yeah. I've yeah. never like operated one, I but wish they, I, I looks, wish I have. I mean, yeah. the, the way that it, you know, loads its own PTO, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, please. Yeah. Like, that'd be great. <laughs> uh-huh. No, it seems um, like a, a very cool piece of equipment. 
Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's something that I think that's really cool and why, again, it's such a great brand and company. Um, and something that has to deal with Toro and when we were up there is sort of the culture. Uh, there's obviously a deep culture in this, in this company, um, obviously in the family, which helps a lot. And what has it been like you coming back and being a part of that culture and developing, like you said, you know, you're, you're, um, distributing further than you did before, you know, beyond landscape, beyond municipality and athletic directors and whatnot. I'm assuming you probably sell to Josh and people down in the city for MLB, MLS. Like, what has it been like, you know, being able to sort of expand that culture and build upon it here at GR Robinson? It's It's been great. I mean, I've, I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity that I have. I mean, yeah, the company was doing just fine without me. Yeah, like yeah. I, my dad and Steve and Kevin um, and George, uh, who retired, but he was here prior to me coming back. They were they you know they have a reputation um, that kind of everybody around town is aware of who they are. And yeah, they know you know what you're going to get. I hope when you uh, interact with somebody. at so yeah, I I was very fortunate to kind of come into a great situation. I'm by no means like yeah, doing yeah. anything novel or like changing much. It's more just kind of like falling in and being a compliment to what yeah, was yeah. already going on, which is huge. Like I I did not start this company. I'm no, not really no. doing anything from bare bones scratch here. So um really it was kind of walking into a great situation and then but being ultra focused and taking it very, I'm not like taking it for granted. Oh, this thing's just cruise control. I'm very, <laughs> I try to pretend like, you know, every, and maybe this comes, this is a grass growing habit. Like <laughs> you always are on guard of like, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> it's always right there in the back of your mind. So, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still take that approach and treat like every interaction with every customer. Like it's the most important one I'm going to have that. Day. And that's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm going at it. And, no, I love that. Uh, I think that's a benefit of being like small and local is that, you know, you, you call here, you know, who's going to answer the phone. Yeah. yeah. If we go out to see your place, it's always going to be me. Um, you know what you're getting here, I guess. Absolutely. And that's a great, it's, it's how we have, sounds corny or whatever, but like we are kind of after relationships. It's mm -hmm. a relationship driven world, relationship driven industry. But like yeah. a lot of our customers deal with us because they want to deal with us, not because we have some magic product that no, I gotcha. changes their world. So for us, it's all about that relationship and how we can be a part of making their lives easier. Um, and more efficient. That's something I kind of, I like to do. If I can do something that's going to save somebody time, whether that's to do something else at work or to leave work early or to just simplify their world. Mm -hmm. And that that's like what gives me gratification. Oh, like I was doing this before and it was annoying or complex or hard. And now like this is so much easier. That's For like sure. the best thing I can hear. When I was in that situation, that like, was the most I valuable need someone. thing. <laughs> I could, if I could do something more efficient, faster, easier, simpler, um, make everything better. Yeah. yeah, 
everybody's winning at that. So absolutely, which is it's just awesome to you know see Sam win at Olympic Games. It's gonna be really cool to come back there and do that. Um, something I, I always ask because again, it's a benefit to my students specifically. Sorry, everybody else, if you're not interested in getting over yourselves, I love you. Um, when it comes to you know the turf grass industry, you've seen all areas, you've been a part of all areas. Um, a lot of kids, you know, are looking for that next step in their lives, whether that's going to be turf grass or something else, you know, for those that are interested in something like this, you know, in my program that are going to be making that next step, you know, what's one thing you wish you knew going in that you see in hindsight, like we were talking about earlier, like would not make things better, but just something that you kind of wish you knew going on and Mm -hmm. things that you wish that again, maybe helped you along the way. And with all of that sort of, what are your best words of advice for someone who's a high schooler looking to go into a college program or high school looking right into the industry? Um, when you're pursuing something or going after something that you have a a goal for and just entering this industry. Yeah. I think, uh, so first, like the thing I wish I knew, um, maybe that like, don't be afraid of the situation. Like it was, I was afraid I would pick up on other people being, when I say afraid, just being like, Oh, like you can operate that piece of equipment. Like, yeah. So, but everybody, like you're only going to get over that by doing it. And Mm -hmm. hopefully you're in a situation where the person in charge is going to give you like some room to have that experience but like the people who I have observed to be the most successful were people who were willing to like try something out of their comfort zone like operate a piece of equipment or make a fertilizer application or program the irrigation clock some you know it doesn't have to be like a crazy thing but just like the best way to learn is to do it so don't be afraid to do it if somebody's giving you an opportunity Take it. Yeah, for sure. Like, you only regret being like, oh, man, I wish I didn't take him up on riding with him to make that foliar app on the sprayer. And now, like, fast forward, I like, I wish I did that a year ago. Yeah. So take – if somebody's giving you an opportunity, take it, even if it sounds like, why is this happening? Why am I not getting that? Yeah, yeah. Take the opportunity. Um, and I guess for advice, same way, like – don't make assumptions about people. Like, give everybody a chance because you might be surprised, like who that person knows or what they, where they've been in the past, or st- like every person you interact with has potential to be a great resource for you, and you have no way of understanding how. Yeah, when you first meet somebody, but up and down that ladder, whether it's at a place and oh this is that guy just works in maintenance like i don't need to work with him mm-hmm. or uh, fast forward and you you're working somewhere and you have a summer intern like oh you know we get one of these every year just i don't know the people and the relationships you meet are going to be the most valuable assets if you will to you as you go through your career so just be a nice person and give people (laughs) don't make assumptions about people and just meet as many people as you can. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, the thing with the assumptions, even when there, there's experiences for you, you know, try and give people a break because you don't know what they're going through. And 
there might be like a given day where like yeah the that person had a bad day you know like oh totally that happens know, a lot oh no, no, no for sure yeah you yeah stuff happens outside of our control and it's people are justifiably have bad days yeah i mean i like to think i'm a nice person most times but sure. you know if i'm in a bad mood you know i'm not i'm not one to you know make a first impression on a bad mood because people are gonna be like well this guy <laughs> you know what i mean yeah um but you know it and that's just like really all walks of life. I think that's just incredible, you know, words of wisdom for them because a lot of kids just make a lot of assumptions, a lot of different things. If they can take a step back, evaluate, and understand that making an evaluation based off of just one little thing can change things in a bad way for a very long time, you know? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. It's been incredible. You know, I love you. and. I appreciate everything you've done for me. Um, you know, for those that don't know, like being a college student, you know, for the first time and something that is completely new, you know, I was very fresh. Um, no background in turf grass, no experience on any machinery, anything, whatnot. Like, um, you know, I try to emulate Ben when I'm teaching my kids because he was always there. He was always someone who helped me. Uh, through the struggles, whether that was on the grounds crew and the classroom, you know, really the grounds crew, you know, because these guys, you know, we love them and they, they're awesome people, but you know, sometimes they just sort of throw you out there and they're like, Hey, you know, swim. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's like a 50 pound, uh, weight attached to my back. There's no way I can swim right now type of thing, you know? And Ben was always there to, you know, walk me through it, talk me through it and make sure I do it right. And for the, the rest of my life so ben i cannot thank you enough for everything you've done for me so. well that that's very nice of you to say drew that definitely is reassuring to me that hopefully i'm going about my business in a yes you way. are um, of course you are yeah thank so. you thanks for saying that yeah well we're on to the next city uh columbus ohio here we come uh it's gonna be a long ride but you know a lot of great people a lot of things to do so thanks for having me again and best of luck with this year uh, heading into the hot season. Obviously you probably are super busy, so I appreciate you taking the time. No problem, man. Thank you for having me on. This was uh, my first podcast experience. <laughs> we'll have to get you on other I, ones. I appreciate it. And yeah. uh, keep up the good work. I'm very proud of all that you've accomplished. Stop it. The Turo company is known for innovation. For example, the real master 5010 H improves performance and productivity. The industry's first and only real mower with a true hybrid drive system. Save up to 20% on fuel use while also lowering costs and lowering the vehicle's carbon imprint. Visit Toro's website today to learn more about this revolutionary mower and discover the power of sustainable and efficient grounds maintenance.